okay, but this movie? All right. So I guess I will just start talking about Ghost World. Uh, so, yeah, I chose this because I really just want an excuse to rewatch it, to be honest. Like, <laughs> um, but yeah, Ghost World. Uh, I actually ended up watching that like later, not when it came out. Like, I think I was seven when it came out. I don't think that was an appropriate time to watch that. Yeah, um, I've never even heard of it until you suggested it. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Look at me being all like elite, <laughs> not elitist. Um, but yeah, so I was looking up some stuff about it. Um, so the guy, Daniel Klaus, and I had to look up how to pronounce that. Cause I was like, is it close Klaus? Not only is he like the writer of the comic, but he also did the, like was a screenwriter. So he's like the creator of the story and they like brought him on to write the actual movie. Um, yeah. Right. Like, cause sometimes like what happens is like, they're like, man, no, we don't want you to write the movie. <laughs> like it was great right. as a story, but we just want to make it our own. Um, and I just thought it was really cool. And like the director, um, oh, it's Swigoff or I think, I think that's the right way to say it. Um, he was like really into it because he had said it had really good dialogue like between the characters and his wife had started reading ghost world and like he was working on other movies and he like she was like oh my god you should totally read this like it's super good and it's true i read it it is super good i hope you read it too it's okay if you didn't i totally understand um i i was watching some interviews and the writer was even saying like he saw the girls as his alter egos. I thought that was really interesting because a lot of the times after watching his interviews, I felt like he was more of a Seymour, but not like not like the comic Seymour because Seymour was a little sadder in the comic. And he like yelled at the girls and I was like, oh, my gosh, like, how could you? But also, like, how could they? <laughs> Honestly, but they're like invading his privacy to be real here, you know? yeah. But I mean, what else could you expect from high schoolers at that age? I mean, yeah, it's true. Prank calls as a kid. <laughs> I never did prank calls. I was the golden child. Let me tell you. I definitely did that way to make me feel bad. <laughs> <I'm kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, I was a friend that could do voices and stuff, and I could imitate people, so I would. <laughs> we like we, my friends and I would like call other people and be like, "Oh, hey, it's this person. Like, I actually have a big crush on you." And like, we would we would stir Whoa, some drama. That's evil. <laughs> so you know, I resonate with Enid in that. <laughs> I resonate with her a lot um so fun fact uh it's so it's funny like um for listeners out there uh when I presented this movie to Alex they were like oh is this gonna be some Disney hocus pocus movie Mm -mm. (laughs) if you haven't seen ghost world uh you're definitely in for a show I feel like I like went into like a whole little tangent there and I'm really gonna get to the meat of it um it's just like it's really a dark comedy is the best way to describe it. Love it. Fabulous. It stars Thora Birch and little baby Scar jo. For those who don't know, that's Scarlett Johansson. Uh, is she Jost now because she's with Colin Jost, the guy from SNL? I don't know. I don't think so. No. So as of now, she's still Scar jo. Um, But interestingly enough for the Enid, um, I don't know if you saw this, but they considered Claire Danes for uh, that character, Jennifer Love Hewitt or Alicia Silverstone. Could you imagine any of them? Uh, no, especially not Claire Danes. Mm-mm. That one's a hard <laughs> okay, pass. It's funny to say that that was the only one I could consider. 
Really? No, I mean, the- I've only seen her in Stardust, so I don't really have much to go off of. Okay, I haven't seen that, but like she was in um My So Called Life, right? And like she yeah. had like a dark, like sultry teen side to her. That's why the only reason I consider Claire Danes doing that. And then for um Rebecca, who is played by ScarJo, who else are they? So okay, real quick, another in- uh, an interesting point to me is that the the comic is like. I feel like Rebecca and Enid got like pretty equal screen time, if you will, in the comic. And then in the movie, I felt like Enid was definitely like the focus and like she it was more of her storyline and Rebecca just kind of swam in and out. Yeah. Um, And like when I watched the making of Ghost World, which was uh, like 11 minutes, literally, it was really cool, though. Um, A lot of times they would just a lot of different people involved with the movie would describe Enid but only ScarJo would describe Rebecca which was really interesting like they spent a lot of time like the director was like Enid's like observant sensitive and smart and like uh talking about Thora Birch and then like even Daniel would talk about Enid but then like the only time you hear Rebecca spoken of which um what was said about her was she has her head on her shoulders and she's heading in the right direction that was said by Scarlett Johansson. So I just thought it was really interesting that it's kind of like, I don't know, there's like definitely a main character in it and not so much. What yeah, well, I think for any movie, it's kind of hard to focus on multiple people, you know, like even movies that are supposed to be focused on multiple people, like multiple families and different storylines and like stuff like that. There's always, you're following one person. I think this is how movies are set up and books and stuff like that where you're supposed to be following one person that's a good point and i'm like yeah maybe it's good uh, well, happy about it. i well i feel like i'm i'm falling into that like problem of like oh, i read the comic book and it's so different and like i think i keep comparing it to that um but i guess that's just an interesting thing um another note that i actually didn't actively think about throughout the movie and i feel like such a dingus is that um, Josh is just a younger version of Seymour, their friend. I didn't get that. I didn't no, get no, vibe. right? But, like, when you think about it, like, they... So, in the movie, listeners, I keep, like... <laughs> it's not just our conversation. We have listeners. Um, like, in the movie, Enid and Rebecca have this friend, and he works um, just at a store... Or at a, a gas station, right? And he's just like a cashier and he just kind of like they string him along with everything. And at times it feels like Enid just like keeps him around just because he's kind of like goofy and like a little bit of a pushover and like she can push him. Um, And I think she sees Seymour the same way. It's like she admires him because he's quirky and weird, not because she admires the things that he enjoys until later. I think she figures that out later that she does actually like the same things he does, but it's not cool to do it. It's cool to like be an observer, you know? Yeah. (laughs) So like, I feel like maybe that's also like why we didn't see the connection is because Enid doesn't see the connection between Josh and Seymour. And like a lot of the times we do see it through her eyes. Um, But wow, I'm being, I'm like really bad about giving a synopsis. Um, I guess that won't be, that's not the direction we're going in. You have to, we're just telling you how great this movie is. <laughs> um, and then another interesting thing that came up in my research, I feel like that kid on um, 
magic school bus. Like, according to my research, do you know that, kids? That, was that Sarah? I do not remember that show at all. I remember that I watched it, <laughs> but honestly, I remember, like, the Ronald McDonald cartoon more than I remember that Oh, show. my gosh. Did you watch the one where they went to Grimace Island? That was a goodie. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So good. Bring those back. You know, they were kind of scary, but like we like revamping Ghostbusters. Bring back McDonald's movies. Listen, they make enough money, but also I'm like, that was like the era of like prime television and movies Mm -hmm. and stuff. Let's get real. And that's why Hollywood is bringing it back around because they can't think of anything else. Like, you know, Gossip Girl and like uh, Fantastic Four and like all those things, like all Pretty these liars. And the, yeah, Pretty Little Liars. They won't let that shit die. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, they have two spinoffs now. One of them didn't make it. The other one's just started. But it's just like it, they know that this worked well. It lasted eight seasons. Uh-huh. Like Pretty Little Liars lasted like eight seasons. But like it ended like a couple years ago and they're already starting something new. And I'm like, that's insane to me that uh they're just retelling the story again but to like appeal to the younger audience Mm. and i'm just like this is the younger audience you know like gossip girl would still go to the younger audience they just don't have like the social media aspect of it but i mean like the whole thing is social media like that's what gossip girl is (laughs) you know it's very different than too very one yeah no, it was, but you know what? Like the point of the show, honestly, is that like it's gossiping, it's like these teen emotions, it's like a big like scares of like pregnancy and blah 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 blah, like just teen mm-hmm. stuff, right? And teen emotions. And like that comes back, like that's always gonna be there. No matter what, like those same emotions are always gonna be there. They're, they should be appearing to every single one of the audience members, anyways, regardless of social media aspects to it. So on that note. If they were to recast Ghost World now, <laughs> like you got me thinking, who would be Enid and who would be Rebecca and who would be Seymour? That's the other thing too. Okay, would so I it'd be I'd a very not- different movie. Yeah, one hundred percent. So, like, th- what I've noticed recently, okay, is that newer movies and shows, like, we don't have like this generation doesn't have like a set group of people. Who they cast in Hollywood for these big movies are people that we've known forever. They mm-hmm. don't have like a new group of people. Like let's go back to like late '90s, early 2000s. Like they, it was like Sarah Michelle Gellar and like the same like five people, like Freddie Prince Jr. You know, like I'm just naming the Scooby Doo cast, but they were in everything. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like it's the same people over and over again. And like uh, Julia Stiles, you know, like yeah. all of them were in the same boat all the time and like this one doesn't have a generation that we connect to you know and then I don't even think like our generation had that set group of people Uh, okay I hear what you're saying we don't like you're saying this generation doesn't have like a brat pack yeah um and I would argue we had Aaron Carter Hillary Duff uh Lilo or Lilo however you called her Lindsay Lohan Paris Hilton well she wasn't in movies but you know we did have I think like and then also mm-hmm. an interesting point to that. So I was listening to this other pa- uh, podcast. Um, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. I have no rights to that, but I want to reference something that Glenn Howerton said. Um, is that like Hollywood was it? It was between Glenn Howerton and Rob. And they were saying like Hollywood's kind of been decentralized 
Like you're not just famous when you come out of Hollywood, you can get famous on like TikTok, you can get famous on Instagram, you can get famous on Snapchat, all these different platforms. And there isn't just like one way to become famous and it's become like decentralized. And they were even like going as far to say is like, you don't even have to do anything first. You could get famous first and then make movies and then make music and then be a model. Like you can become online famous and then do stuff. Whereas like before you had to do something and then you got recognition and fame. You know what I mean? Like I acted in 20 movies and got 50 Oscars and now you know my name. Whereas now you could be like, now you know my name and hey, do you want me in your movie so that you could get more tickets in the box office? Right. So yes. And also like at the same time, it's kind of like, it's revolutionary, (laughs) like how the industry is changing. And we're kind of like, even we're in the middle of that, dude, like we're making a podcast and Wow. Is that like really meta when you think about it? It is. (laughs) In that sense. It is. But that's what I was saying, though. I mean, like they cast uh, Addison Rae into uh, She's All That remake of He's All That, which was not good. I did not like that movie. (laughs) But like she you can tell that she has not had acting lessons or she was not designed to be an actor. You know, like she is. TikTok famous and like the thing is is that like people who don't have TikTok which is far and few in between honestly but there are people out there Mm -hmm. I don't have never used TikTok (laughs) I have no idea who Addison Rae was and I had to look her up and I found out that she was TikTok famous and then they put her into something so like I can see how that can draw in an audience and it also had the appeal to us older people of uh this movie that already happened and it's a remake of it you know and like that movie was like obviously like different for its time where it's like not politically correct anymore where you know (laughs) it's like some ugly girl make her hot now she's everything you know and like canceled all over the place type of thing you know but I mean it's it it brings in a wide audience but I don't think it's necessarily a good audience either that doesn't make the movie good you know what I'm saying it's not a stable audience yeah Exactly. And and especially like if you bring up the point, like, and you know, acting is like relative. Like, if you may like some acting style over another, you know, like my dad, I don't understand, but he hates Adam Sandler movies. Um, and like I don't understand that, you know, like to each their own. So, like at the same time, like maybe like her style of acting, maybe that does draw certain people. Maybe some people do like what she did. Um, but yeah, it's such a it's it's weird now, like what what's gonna hit <laughs> um yeah I think what I heard you say though is Addison Ray could be in Ghost World like I feel like that would also like fit but no okay no because like that's like the whole premise of the movie is like to be non-mainstream so would they pick somebody but at the same time they picked Thora Birch and she was not mainstream I don't know I mean like she had the success of Hocus Pocus yeah her, you like, know and like um, being and a child star did American Beauty around that time too as well and she really yeah. that skyrocketed her as like in a not adult actress in that sense but like as a, a graduating from Disney actress yeah, yeah. Lot, I feel exactly. like a lot easier to do in that era than it was in the 2000s or like later 2000s yeah um, but yeah I don't know who would who would it be now I don't know I only know like the Stranger Things kids honestly okay I was gonna I was gonna say Maud Apatow could do um Rebecca. The, I could see that. Yeah, yeah. A lot of the Euphoria cast could be in there. Yeah, because nice they movie. they already show like they already like it's it's obvious they can do like something darker 
But who would be Enid? Enid is such a, and that's the thing is whoever embodies that character makes it their own. Because like Thor Birch's Enid is a little different from the comic book and just less responsible. Um, and like, uh, yeah, she's just definitely less, in the comic, she's more responsible and like, she's actually more like Becca and is like on her stuff, has a job, gets a job by the end, is ready to go to college. Um, right. Maybe she's definitely different. And I wonder how much of that is like just their writing and how much of it is like, oh, we have this actress for this role. And this just seems more her, <laughs> you know? Right, right. Well, I mean, like, especially if they cast someone, well, obviously they would have to, would they recast Rebecca? I mean, like, essentially that person doesn't really need to do anything either, you know? Like, it was like, the, if it is the exact same way as the movie was before, you know, where, like, Rebecca isn't a main focus at all. So I was just like, that one can be, like, a, anyone could play, honestly. That's how I view it. You, you know? really see it that way? Yes, but like, uh, uh, what's his face? Seymour and uh, Thora Birch's character, like they would honestly, like those are the main people that like, who's better than Steve Buscemi for that? You know, I mean, he's such a good, like awkward. The waters? <laughs> <laughs> the only way. <laughs> so good. Like, that's the thing, too, is that there's, like, a lot of actors and stuff like that that get typecasted a lot. So we don't even know, like, the full range of people, too. And, like, I, I was kind of going to go into that with uh, even uh, Jennifer's body, you know, where yeah. it just, uh, Megan Fox, she got typecasted. Like, let's get real here, you know? I mean, like, it, she was an attractive lady. Like, she still is. But I'm just saying, like, during that era, like, early 2000s, late 2000s, like, MTV's like going hard you know everyone's in this like jersey shore type of mindset and like we're just not advanced as we are now or woke or whatever the heck you want to call it yeah oh and then but anyways like she got typecasted as like the hot bitch high schooler you know and then so it's incredible to see her in that movie too where i did not remember after rewatching I like I did not remember how good of an actress she was you know like you really see it in there you know and I was just like wow and then but like after that like once you kind of like age out of that type of era you know it's just like then you don't get any work because like now she's a mom now she's this and Hollywood's like oh god you know so <laughs> it's just it's hard but I mean like it it's just I'm just saying that there's like a full range of people yeah out that we just don't even know the potential of because of typecasting. And that's just kind of how Hollywood is, honestly. Well, why don't we go ahead and just start talking about Jennifer's body since that is our, our other movie, you know? Um, so I think it's a good, uh, I think that's a good segue. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay. So uh, my movie this week was Jennifer's body and it came out in 2009. It's about Megan Fox. being wow. uh like the typecasted thing, like I said, of just like the hot stereotypical cheerleader in high school. Everyone wants to get with her and all of these things. And like, she has a best friend that's played by Amanda Seyfried uh, named uh, <laughs> uh, Needy. And it's it's funny because her name's Anita Lesnicki. And uh, they gave her the nickname needy because it was supposed to personify that like she is needy you know or or like even jennifer megan fox's character like needed her too mm -hmm. you know like needed that aspect 
and uh but anyways like codependent let's be real like (laughs) straight up like it it goes into that too like uh if you haven't watched this movie yet that's on you but it's a it's a gym (laughs) but like at the end okay like needy goes and kills jennifer okay that's the biggest spoiler of all time but you like i said if you haven't watched it yet that's on you (laughs) it's been like so long okay get with it people but anyways so like at the end needy goes into jennifer's house to kill her because uh, essentially what the movie's about is that jennifer uh gets sacrificed by this band to uh so the band can be popular and then but it's like satanic and everything and then like they're like we had to sacrifice a virgin but jennifer's not no virgin okay everyone knows this except for the band apparently because they're stupid (laughs) but they kill her and then like what happens is like the band does end up getting popular but it kind of has like this adverse effect on jennifer because she wasn't a virgin she becomes a demon and like that feeds on boys and that goes into this whole thing of like um like feminism and like i think that's why the movie did really bad too is that like they sexualized it so much especially with megan fox attached to it you know because like the advertisement for it and everything was just like not what the movie is at all it's like oh, this is Megan Fox being hot. This is uh, Amanda Seyfried being hot. You know, it's just like, it's more focused on the fact that like it's a hot cheerleader in high school yeah. for the advertisement. So of course, a lot of people aren't going to watch that anyways. Uh, I mean, it's a select group of people, but you know, it's just kind of, it's leading the, the audience astray. They're like, oh, I'm thinking it's going to be like some teen drama crap or whatever the heck. And then you go in, it's all demon and whatever. And I definitely watched it to watch Megan Fox make out with a lot of people. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You know, like I'm guilty I of that. Shit I too. Like, yeah, I was guilty of it too. I was like, wow, Megan Fox Sorry, is so Megan attractive. Fox. <laughs> and then, so, um, anyways, and, but as I was saying originally, is that Needy goes in and kills Jennifer. Mm-hmm. And then um, what happens is that there's this scene that is so beautifully done. I can't even describe to you how beautiful it is, where she has Jennifer has a BFF necklace mm-hmm. on, and obviously Needy has a matching one. And then so Needy like rips it off of her. And then the scene after that, where like the the necklace, you see the necklace drop to the ground, and it does like the the chain does a spiral, and it's so beautiful. But anyways, after that, because like they were levitating the air, because Jennifer has the, all these powers now from being a demon. And then like once that gets ripped off like her powers kind of fade mm-hmm. and then it kind of plays into like jennifer needed needy and like she was grounding her like jennifer was grounded by needy and now that needy is against her although jennifer kind of put on this facade of just like i'm the baddest bitch i don't need you i'm better than you like all the time like she was a horrible horrible friend you know but like when it came down to it she was nothing without needy being and then so when Needy turned on her, she's like, there's no point to living, basically. And I feel honestly that she let Needy kill her. She was over it at that point. You know, she's like, what is the point of my life if even my best friend doesn't want me type of thing? You know, which is kind of dark. But I mean, like, it kind of goes with the whole thing. And I just thought it was amazing, honestly. And uh, it was so well done. And it has a lot of I'm really into the like one line, like good, like quotable lines, mm-hmm. you know like Diablo Cody who also wrote Juno yeah. is very very good at that and then so I was watching a, an interview uh it was like a 10-year 
a reunion between Megan Fox and Diablo Cody and Diablo Cody kind of went into of how she handled or like how Jennifer's body came about anyways. And she said that like she had her success of Juno, which was successful, you know, with uh, Elliot Page and Michael Sarah, you know, and like it was so good. It was it was another teen drama thing, but I'm like, it, it still has like those one quick one liners that are just so good. But like she had free reign to write whatever she wanted after that because it was so successful. And then so she's like, OK, I want to do a horror movie. So she ended up making the horror movie. And it once again, it went into the bad advertisement and all of these things. And then it turned into this whole other thing. So it became it was not as successful especially during that time era of 2009, you know? So it's just like, it got such bad reviews. It got such bad everything and did terrible in box office, you know? But, uh, and like, obviously that would take a mental toll on anyone, like, especially as a writer, like that is your child, that is your baby, you know? And uh, so it is very difficult to, um, I, I couldn't even imagine being a writer in that situation and then coming back to that and then just like getting crushed. Mm-hmm. And she said that she just kind of stopped writing after that. You know, she was just like, I had my successful, I won my Grammy or not my Grammy. What is it? The, the Oscar. Yeah. yeah. She got an Oscar. And then people were like, when are you getting your next, next Oscar? Like, when are you d- getting this? Like, ha- like, why aren't you living up to those standards still? And I it's like, understand my writing. <laughs> Yeah, but the thing is, is that, like, Oscar writing, um, like, you have to be so good. Like, you have to be, like, top of your game all the time. You know what I'm saying? Like, what's wrong with having just one Oscar? Like, that's a huge accomplishment. Like, why do you have to spit out something every single time that it appears to the masses, you know? She wrote it for herself. have to be a hit? Yeah, exactly. Like, she wrote it for herself, and she just got so dejected by it that she's just like, no, I'm just going to go be a mom now essentially and that's what she did and then like i kind of go into it more like diablo cody is like a persona her name is brooke i did not look up her last name but her name was brooke is yes and then so like she said that she resonates like on a personal level to needy like she is a needy you know and then so she said when she was writing this and uh when she started to become diablo cody that's when people started acknowledging her like as a writer they're like wow you're doing stuff that's not normally you and you're being more eccentric and you're being all of this Mm -hmm. and then so now people are painting you know and then so she's like okay jennifer is like the embodiment of diablo cody like the persona diablo cody where it's just like eccentric and like super out there and something she would never be and the needy is her. So I thought that was super interesting. And uh, another thing I found that, that was interesting was that, um, I don't know if you noticed, but like throughout the whole movie, uh, well, the bandmates, they had like that moon tattoo on their necks. And uh, I was like, when I was watching this, I'm like, I know this is something. I just don't know what it is. And so obviously I looked it up. And uh, what it is is that, the moon that they sacrificed Jennifer during was that the crescent moon. And um huh. right after that, when it like shows because like they uh needy and Jennifer have like this weird connection where like needy like always knows what Jennifer is up to. And I don't yeah. I don't even know what it is, but like they have like some sort of like intense connection. It's the necklace, man. They're connected. 
<laughs> you're right. It's the necklace. It's the necklace. Yeah. Everything you're saying is just like there's perceived power in the movie and then there's like magical power, like the demonic mm-hmm. stuff. And like a big part of the like perceived power is, you know, like um needy being like the less popular one and Jennifer being the popular one. That's like a perceived power, right? There's like the actual magical power that comes from like the the like let's be real the van rape scene and sacrificing jennifer's body um which has like way more like metaphors like the more i think about it um then there's also like the perceived power of like like the power dynamic between like needy and jennifer but also like when the necklace is ripped off you realize how much power needy really had the whole time and like that goes back to like the codependency and just like a lot of it is perceived power but then at the end when like you know needy can like (laughs) kick your brains out like it, that's like actual magical power but then also perceived power because she wouldn't like do those things unless she like had believed in herself and like I can screw I can I can like mess up your body you know like right. I can really hurt you like you right. can only do that if you perceive yourself as being able to do so so like right. it also goes back and then like getting into like the like the power of like just like masculinity versus femininity of like a bunch of dudes in a band going after a under a minor girl and like being like, yeah, come with us. You were just attacked. Like, we're a cool band. Like, let us take care of you. Like, we'll save you, Jennifer. Like, mm, needy. Oh, yeah, you're fine. You know what I mean? Just like even that perceived power dynamic of like, oh, yeah, like, I don't know, like just all that is is what's coming up for me. And like, I didn't realize that when I, <laughs> when I was watching it as a teenager. But yeah. I just had to get that out real quick. Um, but that, yeah. No, it's intense. Like, it's a, like, I think it's so interesting, like, rewatching, especially like as older, you can understand things more. And, like, especially since we're doing like a little bit more research on mm-hmm. uh, all these uh, movies that we can kind of dive into stuff that we never thought of before. And then, so um, it's just really intense. Like, this is such, there's underlying tones to every movie, I think. And mm-hmm. then this one in particular, you don't think about it because, like, once again, it goes into like, it's just a teen drama. It's about a girl eating boy you know and it's like the horror trope too you know mm-hmm. so I mean like it you would think that it's kind of like dumbed down a little bit because I feel like that's just how horror movies are where like the 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 characters don't have a lot of depth to them they're just running around and kind of doing this and get PTSD <laughs> you know yeah. but like it, it's interesting to watch these like it's that it shows like good writing too you know where it's not super upfront, and you have to go back and you have to see these things and it's just like it's amazing and like that was how I felt with the first time with uh get out you know like a lot of this stuff went over my head but then you rewatching it and you're like wow 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 you know and then so I'm sure we'll watch that movie at some point because it's so good and it's but, funny that because I thought about that while you were talking because we were talking about just like the real themes that come out of ghost world jennifer's body get out like they're they're actual like themes that like you can redo these movies because those things are still very real and they like surpass time is like what i'm hearing so it's funny you mentioned get out explicitly because i was thinking about that i was like that was like a horror movie that's like that's that's that could happen like that's scary like these things are real scary things like not made up (laughs) ghosts (laughs) Well, yeah, be real. I used to do ghost tours. Ghosts are real. They're they're real, guys. (laughs) They're around. I swear. (laughs) (laughs) But anyways, going back to my original point of the moon was that (laughs) uh, with that weird connection that they have, um, Needy 
when it flashes, okay, so like Jennifer's getting killed, is showing all of that, and then it flashes over to Needy, and Needy can like feel it, see it, or something. Like she's like, oh my god, something's wrong. But like when it flashes to her, uh, there's also that crescent moon decoration in her room. And then, so, like, it's supposed to be, like, a foreshadowing of Needy being possessed. And I was, like, Needy got possessed? And I was, like, I'm about to block that out real hard or something, (laughs) you know? And so, I, and then I thought about it more, and I'm just, like, that explains a lot, because she did change her whole demeanor. And I just thought it was because, like, she's, like, came into her own, essentially, was just, like, I am strong. I am this. I already killed my best friend. Like, I had to, you know? It wasn't necessarily, like, a bloodlust thing that came out of it, but it was just, uh, you know, she's just stronger now, and she was getting, righting the wrongs, essentially. But, like, it makes a lot more sense that she she did get bitten by Jennifer. Mm -hmm. And so, like, she's Jennifer's a succubus, and then, so, if she gets bitten like even a little bit I think she was scratched a bit yeah she had to have get uh like gotten some of her powers and like she said it at the end didn't she yeah yeah exactly because she had to she levitated out of the asylum to escape yeah but she was getting those powers and stuff like that so that leads me to believe like there could have been an extra movie there could have been sequels Mm -hmm. to this because I mean like now there's a succubus going around even if it's a partial succubus so like does needy need people now too you know it's gonna be called needy's needs (laughs) (laughs) but just to kind of round it out I think uh what's our next movies uh next week we're doing the mask and uh scott pilgrim versus the world so sticking with our our comic theme (laughs) even though jennifer's body became a comic after (laughs) Yes. Graphic novel. Sorry, they explicitly said it was a graphic novel. Yes, <laughs> the I don't know, but I mean, like, whatever, you know. Yeah, nobody come for me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, beautiful, beautiful metaphors. Yeah, one hundred percent. I think this is exciting. You know, diving into all of this, it's a, it's a nice conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, what's wrong with having just one Oscar? 